This is the Word of God for us today. John 15, I am the true grapevine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. You are the branches. Those who remain in me, those who abide in my love is another way we could say that. And I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I'm just going to say that again. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I'm going to skip down a little bit just to this uh, verse 13, if you're tracking along. Verse 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master can't fight in his slaves. Now you are my friends and I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So, Carrying on over to Galatians now, just a couple of verses just to to thicken this up a little bit. Galatians 5 verse 16, Paul says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 22, the Holy Spirit, if we're going to let the Holy Spirit control our lives, this is what it will look like. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Verse 25, let us not, sorry, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And the last couple of verses from chapter 6, verses 7 to 8, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant, says Paul. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. This is the word of God for us today. Respond. Grab a seat. Man, there's a lot in there. Sorry, but... There is a lot in there and it's important. Now in these two sections of texts today, one is from Jesus in the the Gospel of John and the other is is from St. Paul to the Galatians. We are being invited to see our life lived through an important metaphor. The metaphor is horticulture and the work of gardening. Horticulture and the work of gardening. These were, this was the metaphor at play today. I want to start today by just adding to those first two stories from the scriptures there, those first two moments from the scriptures, and I want to add my own horticultural story. Just lay this in as well. I want to tell you about some tomato plants that we grew in our garden a couple of years ago. Uh, We had a couple of veggie boxes on the the back lawn, 
and we got our hands dirty, we being my wife and I, we, we got our hands dirty as we dug holes, we planted the plants, these small little plants, we watered them in, and we put this little trellis around them, this little tower, and we looked after them for a little while. And we left for a holiday, and we went away for a couple of weeks, and we had a house sitter looking after our house and looking after our garden. We got back from our holiday, and when we did, those little tomato plants had gone absolutely crazy. They had completely overgrown this little trellis that would set them up in, and they would instead, instead of this nice ordered plant, instead it was just this absolute mess. It was this plant climbing over itself, and it was this huge pile of problems, actually. All the tomatoes were just sort of sitting on the ground, and it was just this mess of greenery. And so what we had to do is we had to restructure the mess. We actually had to take this, and we had to put a bigger trellis up, and we had to pull some of the vines up and put them up over the trellis and help this, this plant to grow up and to spread out, get it up off the ground for a more long-term season of bearing fruit. And once we had done that, after a few weeks more, the plants had actually grown up beautifully up over this new trellis and they were just glorious. And we ended up with this absolute beaut of a harvest that year. Um, and, and to get it, to get the harvest, we had to take the mess, we had to order it, and we had to take the spontaneity of all that was going on and we had to bring some structure so that it would be fruitful. Gardening, I learned, is a tension of the organic meeting the ordered. With those biblical pictures in our mind from Jesus and from St. Paul, and with this metaphor in mind of this little story from our own garden, just allow me to transpose this over to life a little bit for us. The Spirit-empowered life, this life with the Holy Spirit, is a lot like this horticultural work. That's what the Scriptures are telling us. And so they are this mess meeting order. It's the spontaneous also meeting the structured. It's the organic meeting the organized. Let me just flesh this out a little bit for us in real time here. I did a lot of my early Christian life growing up in a very rowdy Pentecostal and charismatic church. And the definition of whether God had been at work in our Sunday service or in our prayer meeting or in people's lives was all about how messy it got. It was all about how off script it went. It was all about, did we let the Spirit do the work here today? Was, was the Spirit taking us somewhere we didn't plan? Was the worship lingering longer? Were people praying boldly in tongues? Was the ministry time looking more like a war scene than a nice sort of contemplative moment? People would say things like, wow, the Spirit really moved today after those kinds of Sundays. And I agree. I totally agree. All of that is great. It's part of my formation and I love it. You know, Jesus had plenty of messy moments around him. And the book of Acts is full of weird and wonderful things that is going on with the Holy Spirit and the church. Church history, revivals, and renewals show, us to, that show this to be true, that actually where the Spirit is at work, there will always be mess. But actually what I realize now is that while I was excited and energized by that side, the freedom from the form, the spontaneity, the zapping power of God in our lives, I also realize now the mess that the pile of the plant had become. The mess was exciting, but I wasn't so excited or concerned about the slower and the more careful work of the Holy Spirit. The metric that I was measuring as success was mess. 
I never really considered that there was another metric. I never really considered that there was something else to measure, like, oh, are people actually becoming more loving? Are people becoming more patient with each other? Was sin decreasing? Was generosity abounding? Were we going home and being kind to our families? Were we going to work as good image bearers of Christ faithfully and good in our workplaces? Or were we angry and bitter and causing problems? Were we patiently enduring hard times and unity together? Now, just a little disclaimer here. I'm a pastor's kid and I was a pastor's kid then. And I'm a pastor's kid that witnessed the best of the church, but also like every other pastor's kid that might be sitting in the room today, I also saw the worst of it. I saw the mess of church politics. I saw the worst of relational and emotional unhealth in people. I saw what it looks like literally when a church is splitting apart from the inside. I saw fighting and I saw the worst of the stuff. And sadly, after seeing some people on Sunday enjoying the wildest, most messy encounters with God, I would then also see them Monday to Saturday behaving in ways, well, let me just put it this way, were not very fruitful. But then, back to church on Sunday for the next zap, and it all seemed okay again. All of this, as I became, I don't know, 18, 19, started to deeply disorient me. So are we meant to be chasing encounters that are messy, or are we meant to be becoming somebody? And this led me to think about some bigger questions about who are we actually becoming as we follow Christ? What's the result of this stuff? And I've spent many years battling that question, and I've found myself navigating all kinds of things in the midst of that. I've, I've been defensive, I've been cynical of the work of the Spirit in my own heart and at times in the scenes I've seen in the church. But also, I have, and I continue to have, too many genuine encounters with God that are messy to be able to push it all off the table and say it doesn't happen, because it does. As I shared with you last week, a couple of stories from my own life even more recently. God's Spirit is messily at work. It's a mercy and a gift to us. It's a beautiful part and a dynamic of being a person who's doing life with God. And I love it when God shows up and messes up our lives. But the key question I wanna ask today is what do we do next from this vibrant, organic, and sometimes messy experience with God's Spirit? What's next? What's it for? What do we need to do with it? Well, in works this other half of this diagram, this thought today, this metaphor. It's not just by mess, but it's then by ordering. It's by this burst of structure. Or as the church would put it, it's by our disciplines, it's by our practices, it's by our holy habits that we develop. So in more recent years, I've become more and more captivated by the frameworks of spiritual formation for us as people. And a conversation that's going on around the church, how do we actually grow disciples? And we grow up far more significantly by the use of practices and habits to shape our loves and to shape our lives. Like a trellis that the plant grows against. Now, now for some of you, you may find yourself one of these people even today, conversations around things like set hour prayer, praying the same time every day and showing up to that time of prayer, or, or, or conversations around Sabbath, taking a day off from your work, or, or reading scripture every day in a devotional time. Suddenly you're starting to find, oh, Dan, you're sounding a bit religious. Dan, you're putting boundaries on me. 
And, and some people find that this talk of trellises, habits, practices, disciplines, it's like, no, 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 freedom, mess, chaos. I had a friend who recently, he's a pastor, he recently spoke on Sabbath to his church and then he spent the next couple of days fielding emails from people who said, we don't need Sabbath. Jesus didn't die for us to follow more rules. That's not what freedom in the spirit looks like. And again, I humbly offer and say, yeah, but the, the metric is wrong. The metric is wrong. There's two sides to this. Yes, there's that freedom and that beautiful mess and that organic, but also there's another marker we need to put on the table. The marker is fruitfulness. You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to this community in Colossae and he's trying to correct them about some things. They've been using spiritual gifts in improper ways for improper purposes. And after reminding them for the first half of the letter what their lives are actually meant to look like as these new temple people, the people of the Spirit of God, the new dwelling place of God in the world, he then spends all of chapter 14 correcting them on how they are to have order in their times together. He finishes the chapter in 15 verse 40 saying, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Now I can feel some of you more charismatic people like sort of like, twitching a little bit. <laughs> ah. But this is the thing I'm talking about today. These are where these two metrics are colliding. And remember, we started with these scriptures of horticulture and gardening. We have to be people of both. Practicing life in the spirit means we're going to find ourselves in both the organic and in the messy. While messy is a good marker of the spirit being at work, it is not the only one. The biblical metric of maturity is not mess, but fruit. Amen. I love it when it gets messy. But I love it when it's fruitful even more. So practicing life with the Spirit, which is what today's talk's about, practicing life with the Spirit means we need to find ourselves in both the organic and the messy like this lifting of the soil, like this moment when God gets his hands in. But also, we need to order and structure our lives into some holy habits like a trellis, like a trellis that we can live in to be a good fruit. And I say that at the start of today's talk just to set us up on a good trajectory for the next couple of minutes as I talk about some practical things. That this is the talos that this is aiming at. We're not aiming towards just making some more mess. Although if God shows up and messes us up, oh, awesome. What we are aiming this at is fruitfulness. Jesus himself said in John, the reading from today, that you would be fruitful. St. Paul said in Galatians that we would be fruitful. It is our metric we should be aiming for. So what does it look like? Click this, here we go. Oops, sorry. What does it look like to practice a spirit-empowered life that is aimed at Fruitfulness, that's my question today. So using the horticultural lesson and the organic and organized metaphor that we've been holding just for these last several minutes, I want to dig into three practicalities, some three modes for us today. Okay, it's going to be a little bit practical. Three modes. The first mode is what the Holy Spirit does just because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The second mode I want to talk about for a few minutes is what do we do as individuals in partnering with the Holy Spirit? How can we organize ourselves to partner with him well? And then the last mode, the third mode, is what can we do together as a corporate people 
How do we practice uh, being spirit-empowered people? Okay, so these are the three modes I want to take us through just for these next several minutes. So firstly, let's start with what the Holy Spirit does, just because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. I love this thought here from Richard Foster. This is a bit of a key piece for today, okay? So pay attention to this one. The truth of the matter is this, says Richard Foster. God wants to be active in our lives, to endow us with supernatural abilities, and to see us live with love, joy, peace, and so on. He means by so on, the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So do you see what Foster's doing here? There's actually a pipeline that's at work. The pipeline is this. We are to experience God's action, we're to experience God's power, and we're to experience God's growth. So let's start with the Spirit is God's action. You know, God is active in wanting to cultivate something into our lives by His Spirit. Uh, A.W. Tozer says this, the Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity, It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. Amen? I'm I'm, going to ask for some amens today. I'm I'm in that kind of mood. All right? This is Tozer, people. I mean, if you can't amen Tozer, then I, I don't know what we're doing. I mean, the guy wrote literally a book on a train ride. You know, one of his greatest pieces, you know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm... I'm, 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 Now, as I showed you last Sunday, last Sunday I talked about the fact that God wants to work in our lives as these new temple people. That's all of us, okay? All of us are the new temple people. So what was started in Jesus was then placed into the rest of human history by the advocate. Remember the paraclete language? The advocate, the one who is gonna come on Jesus's behalf. And it has pleased God to do so. It's pleased God that this is the way it is. It's the completion of Jesus's joy in this way. And if you are struggling to get your head around that, just go and read the first chapter of Ephesians where God's mysterious plan has been revealed through Christ and given to us by the Spirit. And it has caused God great joy, it says in Ephesians 1. Great joy that this is how the plan is at work. So God's action is given to us by His Spirit. Next, it's God's power. I just love this line from John Wimber. John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He said this, his power is his presence. You know, this work of God on us is God with us. It's the Spirit with us. And so therefore it is supernatural. It's often going to be outside of just a good argument or good cognitive thought. It's gonna be outside of what we're expecting And it's going to be outside of what we can only offer ourselves. It's from beyond our own sense of reality. It's the power that manifests as the king comes to do the work of his kingdom. It's the energy of God's future work of making all things new, his gospel, his good news, present with us in time and space. And so sometimes when that shows up, our bodies might react. Sometimes if we're being healed or something, we might feel a warmth on our bodies. Or sometimes we might start trembling or we might even fall over. Sometimes, who knows? There's no formula for this stuff, but this is because we're dealing with this presence of the supernatural. Come on, Chris. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, I, I have had plenty of experiences with a supernatural God where my body has reacted. 
Sometimes, even just, uh, like I told the story last week, even just a few weeks ago here with Aaron ministering to us, it was just this literal sense of peace, like filling my body, like a warmth and like a good drink, just filling me. And I was just overwhelmed with how tangible the peace was amongst such a disoriented and still confusing time to be alive. So I know this, and, and often there's tears, isn't there? Like some of us are like, oh, I'm a crier. When God shows up, ugh, it's ugly cry time. You know, like we, we know that our bodies react, but that's because we're dealing with something supernatural, something beyond this, this place. This is the experience of God with us. His power is his presence. Thirdly, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit is God's growth. Finally, the point of this is to grow fruit. And not just any fruit, the fruit of, when we say the fruit of the Spirit, what we're saying is the fruit of the character of God. So when we say the fruit of the Spirit, we're saying the fruit of the character of God. What is God like? He's loving. So we're trying to grow the fruit of love. He's joyful. So we're trying to grow the fruit of love, a joy. He's peaceful. So we're trying to joy, uh, I mean, I'm stumbling my words here. Um, but you, you know what I'm saying, right? I love this idea from Mike Pilavachi. He says, it's not that we are getting more of the Spirit so that we can use Him for our will. He is getting more of us so He can use us for His will. Oh man, we're, we're warming up, aren't we? Hey! <laughs> Whew. Turning the dial up at Central Vineyard over these last couple of weeks. Come on. God's Spirit is at work in us to literally grow us up as plants that bear fruit of His kingdom and His character into the world. So if you're wondering what fruit of the Spirit is as a metaphor, it's simply this, our lives taste of God to those around us. Chris wants to clap. <laughs> so how? So how does this work? Well, let me just draw from uh, the paraclete sayings from last week. So if you're here last week, you'll, you'll know we dug into this. But also just from kind of pulling a bit more from 1 Corinthians 12 and from Paul's epistles and from the book of James, for example, I just decided to just fill a list until I could have, I even got into a smaller typeface. That's how um, big the list is. But I just wanted to type a list up to be like, this is a snapshot and this is not all conclusive at all. But this is what the Holy Spirit does. Just because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, gives us a sense of our union and our unity with Christ, makes Christ come alive to us. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth and all wisdom. The Holy Spirit does that, leads us into truth, leads us into wisdom. The Holy Spirit helps us to worship the Father, takes us beyond our own selfishness, takes us beyond our own emotions, takes us beyond our own junk and sin so that we can worship the Father. The Holy Spirit guides our decision-making, helps us with discernment, the Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures in our study. It brings this from just being a book to something that's nourishing for our souls. The Holy Spirit gives us words and pictures, utterances, utterances as tongues, I guess you could say that, but this sort of sense of words and, and language for, what, for, um, for prayer and for connecting with God. The Holy Spirit gives us encouragements to pass on to each other, gives us faith to share with others. You know, this week in our, in our little prayer group, we have a little prayer group on our um, church planning center for those who are intercessors in this church. For this week, since Thursday, we've been praying for two massive prayer needs a small baby that was born premature in Waikato which is attached to one of the families of our community and we've been praying for one of our community um, uh, his name's Terry he's part of the 4pm community he's part of the uh, gratis community and Terry had an operation on Tuesday that actually went badly and he ended up in ICU and we have been praying for these two people since Thursday and not a single person in that prayer group can fix that situation 
It's only the work of the Holy Spirit as we work in the space of a gift of faith from the Spirit to pray into those places and intercede. We're not, none of us are going to make Terry get out of his bed, but we know the God who will. And so we lean in in faith and the Spirit does that work, that beautiful work. The Spirit motivates us to be compassionate. Oh, sorry, it's the power of God for kingdom signs and wonders like healings, deliverance, and miracles. That's the stuff that Jesus was doing too. It motivates us to compassionate action. You know, sometimes when you just get this burden, this deep burden, and you're like, I've got to do something about this. That's the Spirit of God doing something in us. Uh, the Holy Spirit softens our minds and our hearts. And the Holy Spirit provides tangible peace or shalom just like that taste of all things being made new with God. He does that in our life. And there's so much more I could put. Like I said, I just wrote a list until I filled up the slide, but this is just a good snapshot to frame up the work of the Spirit in us as these temple people. And so in this room today, I just know that there'll be stories of those things happening for us. There'll be stories of that right here in our lives. Even in just recent weeks, isn't it good to know that the Holy Spirit is not just some one-trick pony? Isn't it good to know that the Holy Spirit is this kaleidoscopic picture of many things at work of God in our lives as a community? And I show you this to try and increase your imagination for what God is doing with us in this moment, what the Spirit can do in our lives, what the Spirit could do in us as a people. You know, for some of us, the Spirit's work is too narrow. It's too limited. And today I just want to invite us to this picture of maturity and say the Spirit, the empowering and the indwelling presence of God on us and in us is at work in beautiful ways, beautiful ways to grow us even further in life with God. So if that's what the Spirit does, then what does it look like for us to come along and to partner with Holy Spirit? So secondly, what do we do as individuals? What are some practices that we can do? I love this prayer from Rich Philotus that he's been teaching his church for a couple of years. This is, a t this is a prayer he asks everyone in his church to pray, okay? We could try it. But the prayer goes like this, Lord, give me desire to seek you more and more. And where there isn't desire, give me discipline to do so. Now, Rich is using the word discipline in the sense of this trellis idea, this habitual training, these practices that are lived in a rhythm in our day, daily things of holy habit. So back to that metaphor of gardening, plants need a good trellis. Our life with the Spirit needs a good trellis. So like a structure or something regular and stable that we lean our life against to see our lives grow towards the heavens to bear good fruit. We need some disciplines. We need some practices. We need to pray this prayer. Lord, give me desire to seek you more and more and where there isn't desire, give me discipline to do so. So I wanna give you some daily disciplines, some, pre some practices, some things to try. And the goal of these is to grow the spirit-empowered life in you into a fruitful thing. So firstly, the first practice you could, you could try is something called surrendering prayer. Okay, surrendering prayer. The way surrendering prayer can work is very simple. Each day, Maybe the first thing you do as you roll yourself out of bed before you grab your phone and you check your messages and your email notifications would be just to sit on the side of your bed, hold your hands up like, a, like you're offering something up to God and just to simply say, Holy Spirit, today my life is yours. Come, come and fill me. Have your way and just wait. 
You might just start to sit in silence for a few moments and think about the day ahead. But already something in your heart is shifting as you posture towards your day being lived with God. You might sit there and just quietly pray in tongues, especially if your baby is asleep in the cot next to your bed right now, like ours is. And you just wait on God just for a few moments and you bring your heart into this posture of surrender. That's surrendering prayer. Wait, notice, and then go and live. A second discipline, a second practice would be to read the scriptures every day with the Holy Spirit. This is called Lectio Divina, reading with God, holy, holy reading. And there's a terrific app called Lectio 365. Out of curiosity, who's, who's a Lectio 365? Yeah, there's a few hands going up. It's good stuff, eh? So there's an app you can put on your phone, and it comes from the 24-7 prayer movement from Pete Gregg and those kind of people over in England. And they've put together this beautiful app of daily prayer, daily rhythms, daily scripture readings. And you can even have it uh, narrated to you as a beautiful little audio experience. Uh, or you can sit there and read it yourself through a couple of swipes of a few things to read. And uh, it's terrific. It's absolutely brilliant. And so that would be, rather than just reading the scriptures and just reading them for information, that would be sitting with them with God, slowing down, reading them in a holy way. Thirdly, a third discipline, a third practice. Again, remember, I'm just building the trellis for you. I'm building a trellis here. The third thing would be nurturing the fruit of the Spirit. You know, Paul's, Paul's prayers to the churches he writes in at the start of nearly every epistle are these petitionary prayers for them to bear fruit. He prays for these communities and he says, I, when I think of you, I pray for you about this, this, and this, that you would bear this, this, and this into the world. He prays these prayers of, I want to see fruitfulness come out of you. Or where he prays for Timothy and he fanned into flame the things that God was doing in him. It's this idea that we can ask the Holy Spirit to plant something in us that we don't have yet. We can ask Holy Spirit to grow something that's starting, but we're not quite seeing how this is going yet. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to bless and further something that we need to give away. But we can nurture the fruit of the Spirit. So we can think about our lives and go, oh my goodness, last week I flew off the handle. I'm still not very kind. I still need to experience God's kindness. Lord, grow kindness in me more and more. Make me a more kind person, Lord. You are kind to me. Make me kind like you. Grow that fruit. I want to be kind. I want to be kind in this world. That would be partnering with God to grow some fruit of His Spirit in your life, nurturing the fruit of the Spirit. Fourth thing is to discover and to grow your spiritual gifts. Now, you can take a very simple online test if you haven't done one. You can do a very simple online free test to find out your spiritual gifts. You know, it's going to draw from a few places, actually. It's going to draw from a few lists that are in the Bible, um, not just the one in 1 Corinthians 12. But take a spiritual gifts test. Find out where your sweet spots are with God. Find out what God has put in you and what He's birthed in you. And I, I just love this idea that we need to then grow them. We don't just get them and they're done. We need to grow them. And I, to quote John Wimber again, I just remember this story where a person came up to him one time at a conference and said, John, I want you to pray for me that I receive the gift of healing. And John just said, well, I'm not going to do that. You need to stop coming to conferences and you need to go start going to hospitals. You know, you need to go to where you can practice this. And it's this idea that it's not just about receiving something and then you've got it. It's actually about going and practicing it. 
And so we need to discover our spiritual gifts and then we need to practice them. We need to put them into action and we need to get busy doing them and growing them that they may bear fruit. Lastly, the fifth thing I wanna offer is to keep a prophetic journal. Keep a prophetic journal. So those are my five things I wanted to suggest today. Uh, It says in Thessalonians, do not scoff at prophecy. And I think the first way that you don't scoff at something is by remembering it. So write it down. Practice listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying and put it in a notebook. You know, we just recently moved house a few weeks ago and I found like six of my notebooks from about the last 15 years of life with God. And one of them is the notebook that planted this church. You know, this church just used to be a couple of words on a page. That's what happens when we don't scoff at prophecy. That's what happens when we let it sit and we start to work with it and we ask God to come and do his thing with it even further. Bless it, grow it, bring it to fruit, God. So those are my five things. Those are five suggestions. I could put up more, but that's enough for today. This is what it looks like to become spirit-empowered people and uh, to grow towards fruitfulness. And I just wanna offer one little pastoral key word here. The word is this, accountability. Bring the journey of this, not just alone, but bring it into check with another person. Bring it into a small community of just two other friends who you can process this with on the long term. Maybe you meet up every two weeks for coffee before work and you just check in on the stuff together. Or maybe it's in your circle, your big circle midweek or something like that. A space where you can be accountable to this life of growing with the Spirit. And a final word, a final thought is I just wanna remind you again, this is not about striving, this is not about earning. I just wanna remind, I just wanna just over the top say this again today, this is about gardening. It's about this thing of learning to live in the tension of what God is organically doing with us, that messy stuff, and learning how to structure it and organize it into something that's gonna grow fruit. It's about both. It's about putting this little trellis. See this little trellis here that's holding that up? It's a very close up shot there, sorry, but you know, there's a trellis there and it's holding this tomato plant up. That is what this is all about. So to close, last point, what can we do together? What can we do together corporately as a community? Well, I wanna go back to Richard Foster's quote. So let's just remind ourselves of this. God wants to be active in our lives, true. He wants to endow us with supernatural abilities, true. To see us live with love, joy, peace, and so on, true. So the pipeline is God's action, God's power, God's growth. So that means just like as individuals, we can seek this for our lives, When we come together as a community, we are together. When we are in the room, we can become like a body, asking for Holy Spirit to come and to do those things in our midst with each other. We can ask the Holy Spirit to come and activate something new amongst us. Yeah? We can ask the Holy Spirit to come in power amongst us. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to come and grow us to fruitfulness. Grow us into being more loving, kind, joyful, peaceful, good people. Now, I've referred a little bit to 1 Corinthians already today, but um, what's really interesting about 1 Corinthians is this whole thing hinges on spiritual power. Okay, it's what kind of is the, the thread running through it? Is a correction about that? And Paul is trying to get the church at Colossae to see that the point of the Spirit is not to make you look better. It's about the fact that it's about glorifying God in the midst of the community. And so what it's about is to see the works of the Holy Spirit happening amongst you 
And, and he, he, he just encourages them and says, look, you have to realize you are a body where Christ is the head. And you make up the rest. And together the works of the Spirit will happen in your midst. And he's, he just wants to really make it clear what the point of that is. And so in chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says this, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You know, the idea here for Paul is that these spiritual gifts amongst each other, they've been given so that the Spirit is then passing on the work of God to each other. And so we get to join God being helpers. And our job is to just give away. We give away what God is doing in us. We give it to another person. And I think this word help is really important to remind ourselves about because also Jesus, when he was speaking about the paraclete, another way to translate paraclete is into the word helper. So every time you're reading Jesus talking about this advocate, this paraclete, we could put the word helper in there. Some translations do. The helper, I'm sending the helper. The helper will come. The helper will be with you. The helper will go with you. The helper is a key word to talk about God. And this is good news today. It is so important to be reminded that we do not just do this alone, but we do it with the helper. Come on. This has been the rowdiest Central Vineyard gathering in seven years. (laughs) I've loved it. You know, if the Spirit has been given to you, And if spiritual gifts have been given to you, if we are partnering with God, then the Spirit-empowered life together is one of helping each other. Imagine a church. Imagine a group of people where the goal of success and the goal of maturity and the goal of the dream being alive amongst them was a community famous helping one another. Imagine if a group of people was so humble to be able to receive help from God in every area of their lives. Imagine what that would look like. A church that is spirit-empowered is a church where the helper is helping. And it's a church okay with being helped. So what can that look like? Well, to finish today, where do you need the help of God? Right now. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burnt out? Are you empty? Are you exhausted? Do you feel like you're running on absolutely nothing right now? Are you cynical? Are you bitter? Are you stunted and have you stalled? Or are you suffering 
genuinely suffering? Are you walking through pain? Are you worried at the moment, anxious about something? Does your body need healing? Does a relational space around you need mending? Maybe there's a loss of vitality in your life with God right now. Maybe there's a loss of vitality in life in general. Maybe you've gone cold to the things that used to bring you such joy. Do you need help in your unbelief? Do you need help in your doubts? How might you need God's Spirit to do something new in you today? Something that grows you. Something that is God's power meeting you. God's presence with you. You know, today, I'm aware some of us will be answering that question in our mind right now with some pretty clear things. I don't know what they are, but I know some of us will be. And today I just want to make space for us to receive the help of the helper. And some of this is going to take us also partnering with him to help each other. And so what I want to ask is this. It's just a real simple thing. And it's, again, we're not going to sort of dole this all up with um, with performance. It's just about simply coming with a longing to God. But do you need help? And if you do, I just want to invite you to stand. If there's just something coming to mind in these last couple of moments, you think, I need, I need God's help with this. I just want to invite you to stand, just where you are. Just stand. And as we stand, Spirit of God, we call this our longing today. We call this our longing for you to come as our helper. We call this our longing for you to come and to meet us and what we need help with, whatever that may be. Whatever thing that may be, whatever we're putting our finger on right now, whatever you're putting your finger on, God. We make room for you to come and help. Because practicing a spirit-empowered life is to practice a life with the helper. So come helping God. We pray that prayer the church has prayed for two millennia. Come Holy Spirit. Come helper. Come and help your people today. Come and help. Give gifts in this moment. Bring your presence in this moment. Bring us to life in this moment, God. Now, if you've stood, just stay standing, okay? Just stay standing. Now, if you're not standing, I want to ask you to consider your role in partnering with God as the helper today. And I just want to ask you to do a simple thing, and that is, um, while these people are standing and receiving from God, maybe just look around and just see if God has something that he would like to encourage and bless in some of these people. And I want to trust that as you do that, God is going to bring, by his grace, grace lets into your life, spiritual gifts. He's going to bring faith into your life and he's going to bring encouragement into your life and he's going to give them like gifts that you could pass them on to someone. You may even just look at someone and your heart may just sort of, just sort of move compassionately.
And as we do that, I just want to invite you to, to head to them and to uh, just say, is it, is it okay if I pray for you? And, and just start to minister to each other. But we want to see what God might do. I've ordered this up. I've structured it up. And now, like all good gardening, we need to move over to the mess. This is the messy bit. So Central Vineyard, those of you who are sitting, for those of you who are circle leaders, for those of you who are part of our prayer groups, this is your moment. Look around. That's it. Thank you, guys. Spirit of God, come. Keep meeting. Meeting those who are standing. Meeting those who have responded. Yeah. Come, Holy Spirit.